0: Hello. Hi. Hello. Sir, quick question for you. Hey, a few questions about money for you guys. Real quick. You're not busy right now, are you? Are you busy right now? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Would you consider yourself a generous person? Are you, Sir, are you... He's just totally ignoring me. Are you a generous person? With what I have, yes. Yeah? Yes. I think I'm a very generous person. Moderately so, from Not really. No. Do you wish you were a generous person? It would be nice. Well, so we are just cool. students, so we don't have a lot of money, so we can yeah. just give it away. Right. <laughs> Personally, I'd recommend going left. but... All right. We can go straight. Someday, maybe when you are rolling in the big six, seven figures, you'll be a very generous person. Of course. Very cool. Are you generous?
1: I I I well um
0: Are you Anne Hathaway? Could I get a picture? Are you just lying to me? Are you really her? Oh my gosh. I'm so nervous. Thank you. You're welcome. Can't believe we just met Anne Hathaway. <laughs> when you are generous, why are you generous? Tax benefits your faith It usually is because I'm very lucky in life and other people are not as lucky. What goes around comes back around. I think we could end world poverty if everyone was generous. Lord be with us all right now. Define generosity. Generosity,
1: I think America
0: is a true definition of generosity. Really? Yes. Uh, higher tax rates. Generosity is where you are selfless and you give to where it hurts. Yes. Thank you, sir. Ma'am. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Well, I have loved, loved, loved the old Nick videos and so glad we sent him to New York and they still hit me. And uh, today we are going to talk about generosity. And I just got to say, if you didn't notice this, I love this series. I have no problems talking about money because I live it. I believe it. It's in me. And God has just uh, anointed our church and me in this way. And just, you know, I've come a long way. I gave away our very first offering. I didn't even know what to do with it. We were starting in the church and they gave us money to start the church. And I gave it all away because I didn't know what to do. And then I realized I better figure this out. And so I have become a student of this and have dug in and I love teaching this and I love challenging people with this and helping them grow in this area. So to give you a quick review, um, in week one, we talked about tithing, that a heart touched by God wants to tithe. We see that in Abraham and a heart touched by God wants to tithe and that's not the ending, that's the starting spot. It's like the training wheels or the starting blocks and we're gonna go from there. And uh, just to be clear, we get to tithe. We get to tithe. I mean, it's not like you have to tithe. Nobody's putting your arm. Like, we get to. I love to tithe. It's not like a tax. It's not like a burden on me that I have to do and that I'm so upset about. This is something that I get to do. I get to say, God, I'm living for you, and I honor you with the tithe. And just to let everybody know, too, most of our tithes at River Valley Church comes in Online. It comes in online. People give online or they set up recurring giving. And uh, I love that we have that. And I love that we have that faithfulness. Uh, We're almost to a high enough percentage that if we get there, I'll cancel more often on snow days. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not canceling. All right. Anyways. Uh, uh, No, I love what God's doing. and And so thank you for your online giving. Now, I want to say week two, we talked about, after we start with the tithe, we live by biblical guidelines. And uh, if you didn't watch that and you didn't see that, see that. Watch last year, the year before. Watch that one as well. But it's biblical. It's do's and don'ts. And don't go into destructive debt. And do so and do good. All right? So it's like don't get in the debt. And so I had a bunch of don'ts and then some do's. And now today I want to talk about a phrase that we say around River Valley Church. Blessed to be a blessing. How many have heard that? By show of hands, blessed to be a blessing. You've heard somebody say that. Okay. So it's a very common thing, and if your campus doesn't use it as much, I say it all the time. And people would say, like, are you word of faith or are you this? And I'm like, no, we are blessed to be a blessing. We realize that we are blessed and we're going to be a blessing with this. We're not going to hold on to it and hoard. We're going to be givers. We're going to be generous. And we're going to give in such a way that says we know where all this came from. Now, in addition to Paul DeYoung, who I've given a, a shout-out with uh, his book, God, Money, and Me, I also want to say Randy Alcorn has a ton of resources that I love, and I've used some of his stuff too, so I want to give him credit uh, for that as well. So as we dig into generosity, um, in the book Irresistible Revolution, Shane Claiborne writes about recalling a, a, a like a comic strip that he saw, and it was two people. And they were standing there, and the one said, I have this recurring dream that I'm standing in front of God, and I'm asking him, why did you allow all of this poverty to happen? And the other guy looks at him and he goes, well, why don't you ask God the question? He goes, no, 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 I'm not going to ask him. He goes, why not? He goes, well, because I'm too afraid that he'll ask me the question back. Why did you allow all this poverty to go on? How are you so blessed and you don't feel something in you that says, I want to do something for God? You don't feel something in you that says, I'm blessed. I I, got to do something. I've got to help the poor of this world. I mean, if you think about it, the poorest in America really is the richest 20% of the world. The poorest people in our country, the people that are in poverty, that we're wondering about, what are we gonna do to lift them up out of poverty are in the richest 20% of the world. Think about that. Our poor are in the top quarter of the earth of the people that are so rich. As a matter of fact, Many of us, many of us in our church, many of us in, this, in, in the United States are living in the richest 1% of the world. If you've never gone there, there's a website called Global Rich List. You can enter your income in there, and it only takes $33,000 to be in the richest 1% of the entire world. So when we wonder, like, what are we going to do with the richest 1% in America? And how are we going to tax them? What do you think the rest of the world is wondering? What are you going to do, America? What are you going to do with the richest 1% making over $33,000? That's all. Matter of fact, to be affluent in America, according to the definition, you know, I Googled it, of course, like we do with everything. If you make over $100,000 household income, you are affluent, that's what it says you're affluent and so we're gonna have a small fortune pass through our hand even if you only make thirty-three thousand dollars, you you're gonna have over 1.5 million dollars passed through your hands from high school until you'd retire it's a small fortune now should we feel guilty should we feel guilty should we be walking around going sorry sorry super rich super guilty super guilty that's super rich super guilty no no we shouldn't live that way I think we should do, like I said at this church, we should be blessed to be a blessing. That's how we should live, blessed to be a blessing. And, and like I said last week, I mean, in living blessed to be a blessing, I'm gonna start by tithing and saying, God, I want an open heaven on my life. I'm gonna save 10%, so I'm gonna tithe 10, save 10, and then I'm gonna give above that. And I shared last week that Beck and I did about 5% when we started, now we're up to 15% on top of the tithe. We're living blessed to be a blessing and living on the rest. And we wanna be blessed to be a a, a blessing and we wanna keep increasing our amount. And that phrase, blessed to be a blessing, if you have your Bibles, Genesis 12 is where it comes from. God is speaking to Abraham, and at the time his name is Abram. Changes it later to Abraham. But he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. This is where we get this. God's saying to Abram, I will bless you. And I'm blessing you to be a blessing to others. And so there are so many things that God poured out on Abraham, so many things that he gives to us today. And he's saying, it's not for us just to hold on to it. It's not for us to say, isn't it great that God is blessing me and I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to live blessed to be a blessing. And I believe that we're still living under that today. If we trace that back, we are still living under that call that God's saying through Abraham, like when Abraham had that vision of the stars in the sky and the sands on the earth, and he says, that's your descendants. We're living in that. We are blessed to be a blessing. And and 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says this, and I've used it already in this series. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Rick Warren elaborated on this, and he said, we are blessed not just so that we can feel good, not just so we can be happy and comfortable, but so that we will bless others. We are blessed to be a blessing. Now, in just a few minutes at the end of the service, I'm going to come over to this table, and some here at this campus are wondering why this is here, and I want to show everybody that's watching. um, I I got this whole table. I'm going to talk about people that lived blessed to be a blessing and some of you are looking up here wondering where this is going stay with me we are going to live blessed to be a blessing if we live this way if we live blessed to be a blessing we're going to see an abundant joy-filled life if we don't our conscience is going to bother us and the famous Russian Tolstoy he said this the intake now track with me because he's really smart the antagonism between life and conscience may be removed either by a change of life or a change of conscience. Yeah, that should be an ooh, that should get you. He was saying, you either have to change your life. If you have something that's going on, you're gonna have to either change your life or change your conscience. And I don't want you to change your conscience, but I want you to change your life and say, God, I wanna be blessed to be a blessing. I wanna live in the way that I live and where I'm at, and I'm not gonna be indifferent. I'm not gonna just be closed eyes. I'm not gonna think about myself. I'm gonna change my life and live blessed to be a blessing. Now, when I look at the gospels, and for those of you that are not familiar, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospels. When I look after that, in the epistles, the early writings of the church, I see that there were different lifestyles and I want to point these out. There were lifestyles in the New Testament. Some of the people left everything. All right. Some of the people left everything. When Jesus calls the 12 disciples or 12 apostles. All right. He called the original 12 to go with them. The Bible says that they left everything to follow him. So some of the people that were following Jesus left everything. And I want to be very clear, the early apostles, those 12, left everything. In Mark 10, it says, then Peter spoke up, we've left everything to follow you. Now, I want to point this out. It's different between leaving everything and selling everything. You're like, no, they must have sold it all. I don't think so. Because when Jesus was dying on the cross in John 19, and I I won't read it, but in John 19, when he's dying on the cross, he looks at John and he says, John, take care of her. And it says from that day on, John took her to his home. So he must have had a home. Are you tracking with me? He left these things to follow Jesus. But Jesus is like, all right, I'm dying. Now take care of her. Take care of her. He's like, take care of her. If you think about it, Peter and the other disciples, after Jesus dies on the cross, they're they're just so distraught. What do they do? The Bible says that they're back fishing again. So they must have left it, maybe left it in trust with somebody, but they said, we're leaving this business and we're gonna follow you. There's nothing wrong. At one point I thought, I was going to own a restaurant to support my ministry. I actually it out and I was like, God, do you want me to own this so that that will fund the ministry that you have for me? And his answer was no. But there are people that are in our church that leave things, but they leave it in someone else's care and it's actually going to fund them being a missionary. And so there are some people though that left and they said, we're leaving this to go do that. But there are other people like Levi, the tax collector in Luke chapter 5. I mean, he's following Jesus and he's using his house. He's using his wealth to throw a party. He's using his wealth to throw a party and he's introducing people to Jesus with this. So we've got the apostles leaving all. We've got Levi having a party. We have other disciples that are entrusted and some are leaving everything. And here's the other group. Some are leveraging everything. And I think you're either supposed to leave or leverage I, I, I think that's what we're supposed to do. Both bring glory to God. It's like leave or leverage. And I, you say, well, is there another one that's a category like leave me alone? That doesn't exist for a disciple. There's no such thing as it's, it's, you're either leaving and you can entrust it, or maybe you sell it and you go, but you leave Or you leverage, I see that in the Bible because I see people that were there that were leveraging what they had and I'll get to them in just a minute and they were leveraging things for the glory of God. They were partnering with people saying some of us are gonna leave and go tell others about Jesus and others are gonna stay and we're gonna have houses and we're gonna do these things but we're gonna leverage this and we're gonna send those people and we're gonna be part of it. There's a leaving group and a leveraging group but there is no leave me alone group and and we need both. We need both people. We are praying right now in our church for 500 missionaries, people that will leave. But if we're going to have 500 missionaries, you've got to track with me. If we're going to have 500 missionaries, you know what we need? I think we need about 20,000 people that are leveraging. Leveraging and saying, I'm going to use my house. I'm going to use my wealth. I'm going to use my business. I'm going to use these things for your glory and for your honor. We're leaving and we're leveraging. I see this partnership in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We believe that. But then it says, How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. There are people that leave and bring the message of Jesus Christ. And there's a partnership with the people that send them, that leverage and say, God, you've given me the ability to earn wealth. You've given me the ability to do this. And I'm going to leverage them. I'm always willing to leave. But if you don't want me to leave, I'm going to leverage what I have to invest, to send those people around the world. We take this very seriously at River Valley. There are 55 million people that die every year. 151,000 people die each day. 6,300 die in the hour the church service will take place. 105 people will die in the minute. And we believe that we've got to get out there and tell them 2.9 billion people have not heard about the name of Jesus. I was on a global team once and we walked for an hour and it was just sobering. They said, everyone you walk by today does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Who's going to tell them? Who's going to tell them? We're here to try to tell them. So we need people that are willing to go and to tell those people, but we need people that will send them. And, and, And the senders, the people that are leveraging everything, you know, you can provide moral support for them. That's why we do the standing ovation for the people that are leaving, all right? We're saying we're with you. We're offering moral support for you, and we're standing for all of our missionaries. You could provide logistical support. You can provide financial support, and that's why you're leveraging. You pray for them. Don't just think you write a check and don't pray. You pray for them. You communicate with them. If you have their email, send them an email. They feel abandoned and forgotten many times. Let them know you're praying for them. You're standing with them. And when they come back, we can help them with reentry. And just the other day at our Shakopee campus, we had one of our missionaries that was locked out of their country because of the coronavirus. And we actually, I said, Man, you give them money, you give them gift cards, you take care of them, you bless them. And they were, people were walking up in the lobby and taking care and blessing. We're helping them on reentry. But we want to live more simply and give more so that we can say, God, we desire to be a pipeline. We desire to be blessed to be a blessing. We understand that some people left and other people stayed and leveraged and we're going to figure out where we are. And our church excels in in giving and in leveraging. And as we go for $8 million in Kingdom Builders, I just want you to know that in Living Generous, there are so many other churches following us. I don't have time to read all the things, but I'll just give you one highlight from a guy. He said, we learned Kingdom Builders from you and we were giving $650,000 over and above our tithe. We taught Kingdom Builders and we understood that we're, we're having people that would leave and we're leveraging. We're gonna do more with what we have. They said, we went from 650,000 to 1.4 million over the tithe then I made in one year? And then they said, guess what our goal for next year is? 1.8 million. They said, thanks for leading the way. Thanks for spurring us on to good works like Hebrews talks about. Thanks for having a philosophy that says we're blessed to be a blessing. We're going to have people that leave and we're going to have people that leverage. Now, we're, we're doing this and we take it seriously and we believe this, that we're given much. And the Bible says in Luke 12, 48, from everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded, and from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. We believe that. I believe that. I believe where we live. I believe what God has done for us has allowed us to say, God, you expect something from us. We will be people that will send people that will leave, and we will be people that will leverage for your glory and for your honor. I want to talk about a lady before I get over to my stuff over here. And I just, I can't wait to get over here, but I got to talk about a lady that did this so well because all these are guys and I couldn't find a lady one. So I want to talk about one that I found in the Bible that was somebody that leveraged, all right? And her name was Lydia. Lydia was the name that leveraged things for God's glory. In Acts chapter 16, we hear about this lady. It says, On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river. We were expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, listen to this, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. Now, this lady, Lydia, a selly, seller of purple, she was probably somebody that was affluent because purple was a, a, a color of cloth that meant affluent. It meant rich. And so she had a home where she could invite people over. And the Bible tells us a little bit about her. And what we know about her is that she was wealthy and she was a benefactor to the church. She actually helped start the very first church in Europe. This lady underwrites it. Matter of fact, there are other ladies in the Bible in Luke chapter 8, verse 3. It lists them. Matter of fact, I'm going to read it because uh, these ladies are listed, and I love this. Joanna, the wife of Chuza, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. This is talking about other ladies that were benefactors, that were saying, we're going to leverage what we have for the kingdom of God. We're going to help build this. Now, back to Lydia. I mean, she helps fund this first church in Europe. She's out there. And, and it's interesting. Notice the Bible does not condemn Lydia for being rich. They didn't meet her and say, well, Lydia, you know, you're selling purple and, and disciples can't wear purple. And, uh, you know, you got to sell everything. No, they're like, we, we love what you're doing. Leverage what you have, Lydia, to advance the kingdom of God. And we need more Lydia's in our church. We need more Lydia's that will say, I've been blessed to be a blessing. And Lydia, most likely, was single and rich and realized, I'm going to leverage what God has given me to advance the cause of Christ. So I would say we need Lydia's, and then I was thinking of a cool name for guys, I can't say Lydia's and Larry's, Lydia's and Leonardo's. We need Lydia's and Leonardo's, all right? Now, I get to my table. I've been waiting this whole time to get here. And uh, these are different items. And I want to tell you the story. Like, how many are old enough to remember Paul Harvey? Raise your hand. Paul Harvey, the rest of this. Okay, you're old, all right? I'm just letting you know. There's a the younger generation that's no cool. This guy used to tell cool stories about products. And I'm going to do that, or cool stories about people's lives. And I want to tell you this about people that lived blessed to be a blessing. Anthony uh, Rossi came to America in 1921. He was broke. He came there and he found Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He was looking for something to do to make money. And he figured out a way to make frozen orange juice, invented Tropicana. And he said, God, thank you for giving me this invention to make Tropicana orange juice. And he started tithing 10% and he didn't stop there. He went to 20% and gave more. He gave 30% of his income. He gave 40% of his income. He gave 50% of his income to the Lord's work saying, thank you God for giving me the idea to come up with frozen orange juice, Tropicana. That's what happened. There's Coca-Cola and some of you uh, love Coca-Cola, but the founder of Coca-Cola, Asa Candler, in 1888 came up with the formula he was a Methodist and he gave millions and millions and millions of dollars to the Methodist church saying God I've been blessed to be a blessing instead of just building another Coca-Cola mansion I'm going to be blessed to be a blessing and he gave money and he actually started a school called the Methodist College of the South if you don't know where that is it's now called Emory University he started it. He also gave to Emory Hospital and said, I'm going to give millions of dollars towards the things of God. Now, I couldn't get a real bulldozer on the stage, but I stole this from Go Kids, and, and they're probably crying right now. But this symbolizes R.G. Letourneau. This guy, he, has, he had almost 300 patents. He's gone now, he's with the Lord. He had almost 300 patents. He invented the bulldozer. He invented the like earth scraper, the the backhoe cranes. I mean, almost three hundred the heavy earth stuff. They owe their the inventions to him. And he started being blessed and he realized I'm blessed to be a blessing. He was tithing. He was given 10% more, 50% more. And pretty soon he realized I have so much. I have so much coming in from all these patents that I've invented and the bulldozer and all this. And he's one of the first people that we know that that said, I'm gonna live on 10 and give God 90. So when you see a bulldozer, think, live on 10, give God 90. We have other people that are there and um, I, I couldn't even find something like, I got this cologne and I'm almost out here, but uh, have you ever been on a trip and you've been on a global team or been through an international airport and they have the duty-free, the guy that made duty-free, Chuck Feeney. He made duty-free, came up with the idea. You know what he said? I want to give away my whole wealth. He was a believer in Jesus Christ. And he's like, I'm going to give it away. And you know how much he's given away? $8 billion that he's given. And he's just duty-free. He's like, I'm trying to figure it out. I need something to do. And, and And he... only died he's like got two million dollars living in an apartment in san francisco he's like I- i've given away eight billion dollars i mean there's just so many here this is so much fun colgate how many use colgate you're know, like colgate it's a, this william colgate was broke he was a kid he was like we're so poor he was talking to a captain of a boat And the captain of the boat, now don't miss this part too. The captain of the boat just said, well, then I'm going to pray over you if you're broke. Because he said, the only thing I know how to do is like soap and toothpaste. And he said, well, somebody should be the best at selling soap and making soap and selling toothpaste. Why not you? And he kneels down right there with William Colgate, prays over him and says, God, I pray that he does the best soap and the best toothpaste. If somebody's going to do it in New York, it might as well be William Colgate. And William Colgate goes on to give millions and millions of dollars. Again, 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. He helped found American Bible Society, Colgate University, from a kid that was poor that somebody prayed over them. These are things that are blessed to be a blessing. I mean, Quaker Oats, good for your heart and good for the kingdom of God. I mean, right here, Quaker Oats. Henry Parsons Crowell. I mean, this guy shared his faith with people all the time and gave millions and millions. And he was poor. He was broke. Are you ne- seeing a trend here? God, I'll glorify you. I'll live blessed to be a blessing. And as they pass the test, a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then all of a sudden it's going around the world. Who doesn't know this with Quaker oats? I mean, it's just incredible. I and mean, then there's so many more. We've got interstate batteries. I mean, interstate Battery. I didn't want a car battery up here, you know. But interstate batteries, I mean, this guy, Norm Miller, I mean, just giving great resources to God. And this is one that just blows me away. U.S. Plastics. I mean, I had our offering bucket up here. You're wondering, why is that up there? Plastic, all right. Okay, plastic, the, like the honey bear, plastic, all right. Rubbermaid, plastic, okay. The guy that came up with this Stanley Tam, said, I'm going to build plastic. I'm going to use plastic for your glory, God. Matter of fact, on their headquarters, if you Google it and you go to U.S. Plastics, like to their, to their um, website, you'll see a picture of their headquarters and in big neon lights on their building, it says, Christ is the answer with a cross. This guy said, I'm going to use this for your glory, plastics, God. Give it $140 million to the kingdom of God. From plastics. I mean, it's just when you think about what people did, they said, I will leverage. And I can't talk about something like this without like if you saw this little sign here. This is actually from our house. Let's pray or what is. Yeah, just pray, just pray. And from the Green family with Hobby Lobby and they won't say how much they've given, but it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's at least over $500 million and counting right now. And they have a book, Giving It All Away. And the Green family has just said, we want to do this for your glory and for your honor. We're going to live blessed to be a blessing. And instead of living the high life, their whole family said, we're going to take a salary and be paid like everyone else a salary rather than reap the benefits of the business so that we can leverage it for the kingdom of God. And to think that, I mean, all that stood between them and bankruptcy was a Supreme Court ruling because they said, we don't want to pay for abortion. And they almost lost everything. And they were willing to lose it all because of their deep conviction. Praise God that the court ruled in their favor. But I'm telling you, these people, this table full of items, and there'd be many, many more of people that said, I'm blessed to be a blessing. You may say, well, I don't have that kind of company. I don't have that kind of money. But what has God placed in your hands? What has he placed in your hands? Are you going to live blessed to be a blessing or are you going to live, consume it on me? Are you going to be somebody that leaves it all? And I pray for our 500. I pray for many of them. Or are you going to be somebody that leverages it and says, God, help me to make more, to give more, to send more, to do more so we can send those people and we can be in that Romans 10 partnership. Our vision this year is $8 million above the tithe 8 million above the tithe. And I'm believing God for a day when we look back and can you say, we're just like, can you believe it was only eight? And then it, because God brought us Lydia's and Leonardo's and Quaker Oats and Tropicana and Colgate, and you get the point. I, 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 I seriously, I pray like, God, let the next Bill Gates, let the next Mark Zuckerberg be a Christian, be in our church. Amen. That's what I'm praying. I want to live blessed to be a blessing. And I know you do too. Our church is doing very well in this area, and I pray for our $8 million goal with Kingdom Builders and that we will live blessed to be a blessing. God, I'm praying right now that you would help us to live blessed to be a blessing. We look at these different products and these different stories, and I say, why not some of these people? Why not some of these people? I pray for there to be great inventions, and I pray a blessing over entrepreneurs and business owners. matter of fact, if that's you here at all the campuses and you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, whatever, a sales, you want in on that blessing, you're an inventor, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Lord, I pray a blessing over those people that have their hands raised right now for entrepreneurs, business owners people that are inventors, people that are saying, God, use me for your glory. I will leverage what I have for the kingdom of God. I pray they'd live blessed to be a blessing. They would use the resources for the kingdom of God. And for every single one of us, God, whether we're leaving or whether we're leveraging, God, help us to leverage with the 5% or the 10% or whatever you've placed into our hands above our tithe and help us to be those type of people that say, we will send, we will go, we will be used for your glory. But ultimately, God, in this moment, help us. Help us to live blessed to be a blessing, recognizing you didn't give us the message of forgiveness so we could hold it and keep it. You gave it to us so we could give it to the rest of the world. Blessings now upon your church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.